Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Bearded Things. My name is Tyler, I'm one of your bearded hosts, and I'm once again performing my sold-out solo show. Uh, I hope you are all having a wonderful week, and when you are listening to this, I will be in Florida visiting my son, so please send me your best wishes and regards, because I'm going into the pit of America's wing, so I need as much help as possible. Also, I apologize, I don't know what happened with the episode last week. I don't know why the ad ran in the beginning. There wasn't supposed to be an ad. I don't know if Spotify threw that in there, or Anchor, this, the site we use, they threw it in there. I'm going to try to play with it this week, but uh, I apologize for those of you who are very confused in the beginning of the episode. Alrighty, so obviously, like I said, um, I'm by myself, so I'm not going to be doing a banter with the Beersleys because no one wants to hear me talk to myself. I mean, I'm kind of talking to myself right now because I'm literally sitting here, but um, that's besides the point. Um, but I kind of talked on just, you know, briefly last time about, you know, how to like center yourself and be kind of present and all those kind of things. And I'm not going to go crazy and like do this long rant about, um, you know, mental health or like grounding and wellness and stuff again. But I was talking with a friend yesterday and, um, we were talking about how just general like manners are kind of going the wayside and I... I don't know, kind of wanted to talk about it. Um, again, it's a one-sided conversation, so this is really strange, so please bear with me. But um, one of the things we noticed was that, you know, some in other parts of the world, like, it's very friendly. People kind of come up and say, like, hey, how are you? You know, um, like, Australia's like, good day, mate. Um, the whole thing, you know, like, everyone's friendly in a lot of places. And it seems like here in, you know, the U.S. and certain areas, like, you know, even here in California, where everyone's supposed to be, like, laid-back, chill hippies, um, there's a lot of just times where you're walking down the street or you're in a mall you're in a store and like nobody recognizes what's around them and uh it's kind of sad it makes me kind of sad because i feel like when i was a kid i remember you know like adults talking in like public places and every now and then you know like if i'm waiting in line like i'll i'll kind of look over and like acknowledge someone and you know like you know like hey how's it going you know whatever um I know guys are guilty of doing, like, the nod thing where, like, you walk by and you nod at someone, and, like, depending on if you nod up or down is whether you know them or not. Um, ladies, we're letting you in a little secret if you don't know that. Uh, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows that now, so I'm not leaving any living secrets. But um, it's something I'm guilty of myself. And, uh, you know, cause sometimes you just, you know, especially, like, after a long day of work, you just don't want to deal with people. But uh, I feel like with everything going on in the world and where we're at, like, as a country and how there's so much animosity... I'm going, I'm making a pledge here on the podcast. I'm going to try to be more personable, a little more happy, um, try to just put smile on people's faces, try to smile more when I'm out in public, uh, because I feel like the world needs that, and I very much feel like I'm on a soapbox right now, so I apologize, this is really hard, <laughs> but that being said, I, you know, going to put myself out there. I'm going to challenge you guys as well. Those of you listening to this right now, whether you're listening in your car, at your house, wherever you're listening, you know, say, don't say necessarily like hi to a stranger. Don't walk up to a stranger and be weird, but you know, just acknowledge someone's presence nearby you uh, when you're walking somewhere. If it's somewhere you don't know, um, people at a grocery store, like I said, if you're at work, it's like new colleagues, just kind of, you know, like, Hey, like, good morning, you know, good afternoon, whatever. Uh, let's just try to bring a little bit more like I don't know, personability and happiness into the world because we need it. I feel like if we said hi to each other and we talked to each other more, we wouldn't have so many miscommunications and 
misinterpretations of different things. I don't know. I think it's just something that it's been on my mind. And like I said, I was, it was very a topic of conversation yesterday and something that I thought, you know, like I'm going to talk about it because it's important to talk to people and uh, be social because we're very social creatures and all that stuff. So I'm going to stop talking because I'm talking a lot. And, well, I can't stop talking because it's just me again, son of a bitch. That being said, I'm going to get into my topic. And um, for today's episode, I'm going to be covering the alleged kidnapping and disappearance of a woman named Sherry Papini. Now, this story's been in the news this past week, so I wanted to kind of touch on it. And those of you who may be aware of it, um, be good to know. So I will issue a slight trigger warning here for this episode because it does involve talk of kidnapping, some physical abuse, and involuntary restraints. The story of Sherry Papini takes a lot of twists and turns, so we're going to rewind the clock back to 2016 and start from the beginning. Now, back in November of 2016, Sherry Papini left her Redding, California home in the early afternoon to go for a jog on an old hiking trail. Hours later, her husband Keith got home and found that the house was empty. He called the daycare where the couple's two children were, and they reported that the kids never got picked up. Keith then used the Find My Phone app type thing to locate her cell phone, and it turns out that the phone was only a short distance away on a hiking trail called the Old Oregon Trail. Side note, if it was me, I would have immediately started checking the area for, like, bad water to see if it was dysentery that got her, but Keith assumed it had been kidnapping, so what do I know? Anywho, Keith immediately alerted the police to the disappearance, and they began searching the area around the phone. They found the phone, obviously, some earbuds, and some strands of hairs on the trail, but that was about it. What was kind of strange was that her husband, Keith, immediately came out and said that he knew she had been kidnapped. But the Shasta County Sheriff, Tom Basenko, sort of refuted the claim, saying, quote, We have no evidence to lead us that way, nor to dissuade us from saying that she wasn't abducted. So, you know, the husband's saying it's kidnapping. The police are saying, well, maybe we don't really have enough evidence either way to justify that. Um, there were several pleas in the media and on social media asking for information about Papini, and everyone kind of described her as a, quote, Supermom. For about three weeks, there were no new leads or information, and the family was beginning to kind of get desperate for information. Then, the week of Thanksgiving 2016, a, quote, anonymous donor offered the kidnappers an undisclosed ransom amount online if they were to return Papini to her family by 5 a.m. on November 3rd, which was the day before Thanksgiving. Sadly for the family, however, the 23rd came and went, and no Sherry. But, Miraculously, on Thanksgiving itself, Sherry reappeared roughly 150 miles away from Reading. She flagged down a driver around 4.30 a.m. off of Interstate 5 near Woodland, California in Yolo County. Yes, that's the actual name of the county. No, it was not founded by millennials the past decade. Sherry was very severely injured and malnourished. She was bound with a chain around her waist and holding an arm to her body. She had various other straps and restraints on her body as if she had been tied up for a long period of time. Her nose had been broken, she had bruises all over her body of varying size and discoloration, which indicated a prolonged period of physical assault. Her hair was cut very short, and she had a brand on her right shoulder of unknown meaning. She was also severely emaciated, weighing only 85 pounds, or roughly 40 kilograms. Obviously, the family was overjoyed to have her back, but concerned for her health. She was taken to a local hospital and treated for her various injuries, and her husband Keith visited her and would later describe her injuries and maladies to the TV show Good Morning America. Sheriff Asenko was very critical of this appearance because Keith had told the nation private details of an ongoing criminal investigation, and he stated, quote, I do think that with some of the details he has provided, it's going to affect the integrity of the investigation. So investigators turned to finding who had kidnapped her, and Papini had a fairly vague description saying that their faces were covered for the most part. She said that they were, quote, 
two Hispanic women in a dark SUV and describe them as, quote, the younger one had long curly hair, a thick accent, pierced ears, and thin eyebrows, and that the older one had straight black hair with grain color and thick eyebrows. She also said that they were both wearing bandanas around their mouth and nose. And side note, if you're kind of upset hearing the stereotypical description as much as I was, just wait, it gets better. Authorities start looking into the area around where she was abducted and also where she was found in an attempt to locate the suspects or at least the vehicle in question. Meanwhile, investigators and therapists began intensely questioning Papini in an attempt to get some information about the suspects and may find out what their motive has been. Meanwhile, investigators and therapists began intensely questioning Papini in an attempt to get more information about the suspects and what their motives may have been, anything that can lead authorities to these suspects. Papini did tell the investigators that one of the women laughed at her repeatedly and told her that the person paying the ransom was a police officer and that she was never going to be found. She also recalled details saying that she was kept in a closet and was forced to use kitty litter as a means of toilet, but then she later added that the kitty litter was her idea. She was also quoted in criminal complaint documents as saying that the women who took her were playing, quote, that really annoying Mexican music, and that the car they, that was used to kidnap her only played mariachi music. Despite this, she also claimed that she slept majority of the car ride to wherever they went. When asked if she was drugged, she said no, but asked investigators if a stun gun would affect your memory, to which they also said no. As part of the investigation, all the clothing and evidence was swabbed for DNA and sent into the lab for testing. Nothing came back as a match aside from Papini's DNA and an unknown male DNA. The case seemed to grow colder and colder as the year went on, and as Papini refused to give first-hand accounts of the story, aside from those given to the investigators, the public really began to get suspicious. Because, you know, leave it to us Americans to see a kidnapping and assume it's all bullshit, right? But, to the credit of the skeptics, some criminologists said that they were kind of seeing some flaws in her story as well. They cited the pretty extreme rarity for a woman to be abducted by other women. And then, in 2017, the Sacramento Bee ran a story about a police report from 2003 in Shasta County, where Papini is from. In the very brief police report, Papini's mother, Loretta Graff, alleged that Papini was harming herself and trying to pass it off as abuse by the mom. Around the same time, detectives were also discovering that there were text messages found between Papini and an unnamed Michigan man, where she was planning for him to try to come meet her. Shortly after the text messages were discovered, the internet proved why it's always undefeated because users found an essay posted to a now-taken-down website called skinheads.com. Sounds like a very reputable place. The essay was penned by a woman named Sherry Graff, Graff being Papini's maiden name, and the essay also had some kind of similar things to her abduction. Um, in the essay, the writer said that while growing up in Shasta County, again, where Papini's from, she got into fights all the time with Latina women because she was, quote, drug-free, white, and proud of her blood and heritage. In a description of one fight, the writer claimed, quote, it took three full-size men to pull her off, and I broke her nose and split her eyebrow. The family obviously claimed that the essay was written by someone else, but the similarities to Papini were enough to make investigators look deeper into the claims made of her abduction. In March of 2020, investigators finally got a break in the case, but it was not the one Papini and family wanted. The FBI reported that a DNA sample taken from the clothing Papini was found in finally got a hit from an online DNA collection database. The DNA belonged to an ex-boyfriend who lived in Southern California at the time of the abduction. They served a warrant on the home of the ex-boyfriend in June 2020, and using a bottle of iced tea that they found in the trash, they were able to link his DNA to that of the DNA provided in the original sample. Kind of fun side note, uh, those of you who are aware of like the Golden State Killer when he was found, that's actually how they kind of found him, was going through his trash. They found and matched his DNA, which is, I think, pretty cool. 
The ex-boyfriend was then questioned by the FBI in August of 2020, and he admitted to helping Papini, quote, run away. The ex-boyfriend claimed that Papini had contacted him and told him that her husband was abusive and trying to rape her and that she needed to get away from him because she feared for her life. Apparently, he didn't fear for her kid's life, though. It should be noted that there were never any police reports made on Papini's husband, despite her claims to the ex-boyfriend. The ex-boyfriend told investigators that Papini cut her own hair short and gave herself the bruises and burns. She asked him to brand her, and he obliged. Around Thanksgiving of 2016, Papini told the ex-boyfriend that she missed her kids and wanted to go home again. So he drove her back up north, where she asked to be dropped off in the middle of nowhere. To me, I get it, like, ex-boyfriend, whatever, you're trying to rekindle something. I, I don't know why you would just leave someone in the middle of nowhere, but I don't know what this guy's thing is. So, Investigators confronted Papini and her husband, and they took them in for questioning. While the couple were together, Papini vehemently denied any wrongdoing, even when investigators told her that the boyfriend had given her pretty substantial evidence and information that no one else could know. Once the husband was removed from the room, Papini admitted to being in contact with the ex-boyfriend for a time before the abduction, and that when she would go out of town for work, she would contact men in those areas. The couple were released, and, invest and the investigation shifted towards the evidence in hand. This month, exactly eight days ago at the time of this recording, Sherry Papini was arrested and charged with faking her own kidnapping and lying to federal agents, amongst a slew of other fraud charges. A GoFundMe page had been created, and there was an estimated total worth $49,000. Of that total, the Papinis used some of the funds to pay off credit cards. She also applied for financial compensation through the California Victims Compensation Board and was awarded more than $30,000 through that. Because of the application process and how that worked, she was actually charged with mail fraud because of that. When she was confronted by FBI agents, the agents attempted to apprehend her. She ran away from the agents screaming, and so because of that, she was also charged with resisting arrest. Papini appeared in court and was granted a conditional release on $120,000 bail and is due back in court on March 25th of this year. If convicted of all charges, she faces up to 20 years in jail and fines in excess of $500,000. And that, my bearded friends, is the twisted story of Sherry Papini and why you should just talk to your significant other if you are having issues. At the very least, try to find a marriage counselor and not, you know, fake your own kidnapping. So yeah, that's that. Um, it's still weird doing this by myself and um, not having someone to talk about the episode after the fact. Um, but those of you that listened, it it's definitely a, a weird story. And I, I get the idea of someone wanting to maybe escape their reality for a moment. I know, you know, like postpartum affects everyone differently. And like the children were young at the time of the disappearance. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I think being a parent myself, I couldn't imagine just running away and like pretending to be kidnapped and being away from my children, you know, kids for a long period of time and subjecting them to such a horrible situation, you know, because I think no matter what your plans were, unless you were just going to, you know, go to Argentina and start your life all over again, um, you don't, you have to come back to your kids at some point. You know, you have to realize that they're going to be affected by this. And um, I tried to look into a bunch of information to see if the husband or, like, the family has done anything or said anything. And basically all I got was that the family's not releasing any statements. The only statement they released was when, they, when she was arrested that they felt they... The agent should have done it in a non-public place and should have confronted her, like, <clears throat> in her home, exactly. So, that was the only thing they've said. They just said that they're trying to work through the facts and blah, 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 like you would say with any family member that just, you know, had some pretty significant issues and um, things in the media that was so publicized. 
Um, so yeah, that's that. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have something, if you have comments, you have feedback, if you want to just reach out and say hi, you can do that through any of our social medias. Our Instagram is at beardedthingspod. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash beardedthings. We do have this really cool Bearded Things friends group. It's been a little stagnant lately. We apologize. Life's been busy for Chris and I and, you know, the guest host. So we're trying to get things going. We will get that, you know, more socialized soon. I guarantee it. You can also find us on YouTube, which is at Bearded Things Pod, and Twitter, which is at Bearded Things. We also have a website, which is beardedthings.com. On the website, there's a contact us form. You can fill that out. It comes directly to us. We get that information, and it's good. You can also email us the old-fashioned way. Just email us at contactus at beardedthings.com. That's always fun because that is a two-way dialogue. We can email you back from that, so please do so if you're so inclined. With that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful time. You enjoy the episode, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Hey, hey you. If you got this far and you listened to the whole episode and the ad... I just want to know that we appreciate you. We love you. Bye.